we doing today, folks? My guest today is going to be Phil Marquis. Phil is a two-time Olympian. He had 13 World Cup podiums, two World Cup wins, and spent several years on the Canadian national team as a mogul skier. Now, Phil has rejoined the Canadian national team, but this time as a coach. He spent the last few years coaching in Vail, and in this episode, we go through and discuss Phil's career and what's driven him to succeed so far. We touch on some of the ups and downs and the perseverance he's experienced in his career and in life. We touch on his remarkable turnaround and being able to compete in the 2018 Olympics just 30 days after tearing his ACL. We had a really, really great time chatting, and I really hope you folks enjoy this episode. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks. Bada bing, bada boom. Phil, thank you so much for taking the time, dude. Uh, I know you got a lot of busy stuff going on, but it's nice to uh, have you on. And I know we were just we're just chatting up there and you got some nice weather in Whistler. And uh, congrats on the new position just a couple of weeks ago. You know, now you're uh, coaching for the Canadian team back home after spending some time with Vail after an unbelievable ski career, man. So thanks, thanks for taking the time and coming on. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, yeah, man. It's been uh, it's good. it's been quite the journey to uh, get back um, to back to the Canadian team, but in, in a different role with different hat. Um, and like you said, you know, long career, long successful career with a lot of challenges for sure. And then right after, uh, took a leap of faith and then and joined the Vail program in the U.S. south of the border. So a bit of a new uh, new territory for me, um, but but a beautiful and a, a gorgeous experience. Um, for me to, to start this path of coaching and uh, I, had a, I had a blast in the U.S. Uh, with my group, three years of, of, of a lot of challenge, obviously, with COVID and, and learning this, this coaching gig. Um, and, and obviously, the, the, the support of the community down in Vail was amazing, but uh, also very exciting to, uh, to be back north um, and, and, and be in a system that I grew into and I, that, that helped me become such a, a good athlete, I think. And so it's good to be back here and, and have the opportunity to give back to 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 uh yeah to to work with some athletes some familiar faces um and 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 to embark this this journey here to help this program get better again yeah now how exciting really is that for you i mean you've had that uh perspective as the athlete uh obviously on the canadian national team for many years and now you get to get to put on that other hat as you as you say you know now you're you're influencing and you're trying to create that next generation of of talent to to be the best that uh, canada has to offer yeah, it's exciting, man. I, you know, I think the big, the biggest thing for, for me is for sure, make sure it's not about me. Uh, I think as an athlete, everything's about you, right? Sure, so right. You got to focus on what's best for you all the time. And I think now in a coach, I just want to make sure, that, yeah, my experience, everything I've done and what I've learned over the past, uh, some, some kind of leadership and respect I've earned. Uh, you know, I work really hard to get to that position. And now it's, it's, I want the athletes to kind of build, build upon that and, and, I want them to learn about all those life skills, about obviously, obviously the, the sporting, the, the athletic, the performance side of things. Um, so, so for me, it's just how, how can I find ways that are creative, that are fun, um, that obviously lean on some of my past experience that I had in this team under Rob Cobra, Mike Hamlin, some of the amazing coach I was, I was skiing with and taught by. Um, so how do I kind of pick and choose all, all the right pieces I've learned and I've experienced um, and, and try to bring that and provide that for the athletes, for them to be in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I mean, I mean, it's gotta be great as an athlete to be able to go back and look on those experiences, pull those into coaching. And then you've had the last few years, I mean, it's been super successful at Vail. I mean, you guys did an unbelievable job there and I'm sure that that's just helped. I mean, was it, did you know, right off the bat, off the bat, after you kind of finished your career, like, Hey, I think I want to get into coaching. I, you know, I love the sport and it's kind of ready to, to make that change. Cause I know for some, it's always hard, like, okay, you know, you see some people that take some time off, kind of try to do some soul searching and figure out what they want to do next. But it seemed like for you that, you know, the, the next step was to go kind of right into coaching there and, and not skip a beat. Yeah, man, that, that's a, that's a good question. And, uh, and honestly, I think the best answer is I didn't know. Um, I, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but there's one thing I knew is I loved it. I love coaching, and every time I did, I coached so many times on the Whistler, on the Blackcomb Glacier, at the Momentum Ski Camp. I've, I've coached back home a couple of times. I've coached in Sweden uh, for Lassie Camp. Uh, so I've, I've had a lot of experience throughout the years, and I, I had done a few of my, checked a few of my my coaching class, if you may, and, mm -hmm. and skill development stuff. And so I knew I liked it, um, and I knew, I knew it was a pretty natural fit um so i could in parallel pursue a lot of, of of passionate things i was i was getting involved with mm -hmm. um whether it was like board board uh, board of organization whether it was like nonprofit, whether it was studying mm -hmm. um so coaching was kind of a, a natural fit for me to be able to pursue all of those things but also do something i really like and still be involved with coaching i wanted to be outside i wanted to share some of my experience, I wanted to be with the athletes uh, and obviously state sport. That was, that was big for me. So it was a pretty quick um, shift. Yeah. It, it seemed like it was, it was all planned and, and it was all uh, dialed in, but it definitely wasn't. And especially, especially when I, when I did sign uh, and join the VEL program, like for me, I remember driving over and I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, you know, like <laughs> driving from Quebec all the way to Colorado, like, 35 hours in my car by myself, just obviously just a lot spinning, of time to think. <laughs> spinning the wheel and just like, what am I getting into here? And like going to play and coach for the enemy team, like what <laughs> am I doing? So, so this whole process, you know, was very scary at first, but uh, yeah, I came to the U S and I, I, within the bell community got accepted and, and uh, very well everyone welcomed me with open arms and then it goes out to to people like you as well and other programs in the country where there was this unified front of everyone being competitive against each other yes but when we all came together for events and stuff like that there was there was a very very strong collaborative effort of just trying to to get as many good young skier on the u.s team and and building this program so i learned a lot and i think it was a great thing to after 12 years on the Canadian national team as an athlete to step away from, from that system and go see a little bit uh, elsewhere what, what was happening. And uh, so for me, it was a beautiful experience. Um, it was, it, there's, there's so many things that, that I thought we were doing great in Canada that actually was not so good. And there's a lot of things that I thought were not really good in, in the U.S. when I was an athlete. And then by being there, I really dig and learn, learn a lot about how, how the system worked down there and a lot of the good things that is done and implemented in the U.S. So, you know, it was awesome to open up my, my horizon and, and, sure. and see all that. No, absolutely. Now, 
for you, what was one of those things that, that got you into sport, got you down the path of, of freestyle mogul skiing? I mean, what kind of, I mean, growing up in Quebec, I mean, was it Jean-Luc Broussard or is it Pierre Rousseau? I mean, how did you kind of stumble upon, upon mogul skiing? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there was all those role models for sure at some point, but I think initially it was just, it was just like, uh, our family grew up, you know, we had a, a weekend cabin that we always go to just to get out of the city. And, and it was important to have this kind of, this kind of place of, of freedom and, and, and family connection. So, uh, so right away we started skiing as a family pretty young and I'm the youngest of three. And my, my big brother was, was an athlete, you know, uh, but you know, when we were young, it was just competitive and doing all the sports. So as a young little brother, I would just kind of try to pick up the pace and follow. Mm. Uh, so that's just all we got into skiing at first. And, um, and yeah, like skiing was just not quite enough as many of us freestyle skier. So it doesn't take long uh, until you're spending afternoon hiking in the park or you're skiing trees or you're building jump with your friend. And, you know, you kind of probably see yourself here back in the days kind of doing the oh, same yeah. thing, <laughs> jumping little, little jump up the side of the trails and eventually getting chased by patrols. And so that was, that was our child, uh, our, our childhood experience. Um, and eventually yeah, you start watching ski movie and you start learning about competition, uh, of various kind. And you start seeing those role model, like, like Jean-Luc for sure. It was a big one for, for the generation of my age, uh, in Quebec. So just this is rich history in, in freestyle, whether it was aerial, whether it's mogul, whether it was all like, how free ride started in slope style a little bit in, in Quebec. There's just a rich history. So a bit of a natural way. And I, I played a lot of sport, but I got to a point where like, you know, I think I could be pretty successful in skiing. And that was probably around that 15, 16 turning age turning point. Mm -hmm. uh, and from that, I really committed a bit more um, to that sport. Gotcha. Now, Vincent, your older brother, it was he your oldest brother or is he the middle brother? Cause you said you had two he was, brothers, yeah. right? I have a older sister. Older sister Vince okay. is, is in the middle and okay. uh, I'm, I'm the baby. Yeah. So we got a still pretty good gap. Like it was five years mm -hmm. between me and Vincent and, uh, and for, for a lot five years is, is kind of enough that you are never going to be that close and connected with mm -hmm. a sibling. But for us, it was, uh, <clears throat> yeah, for us, it was the opposite. Like, I don't know, this, this gap uh, created a really special bond. Uh, within uh, each other and, and we did everything together I became really close to some of his friend and he knew all of my friends um, so it always been this way until we were uh, until until we we part way until he had a girlfriend and went in, in an apartment and I was like oh man why are you doing this like we're supposed to spend our life together and play all the time so so yeah so so it was I, I think you know ends down that's he's the, the biggest influence uh, mm -hmm. in my life just the, the way i the, the the competitiveness i developed the the work ethic um mm -hmm. you know you you just sometime with an older sibling i feel like you just can't complain right you you're, you're hurt or something you just like you gotta toughen up because you can't be crying next to your big brother you know mm -hmm. so this whole kind of mentality a little bit was i just learned to to yeah to to work hard and yeah. if I wanted to fit with his friends that were all older, I needed to work hard and not complain and follow. And, and when I did, it was the best. And, uh, and obviously when I didn't, then they just kind of tossed me to the side. Like, well, can't, can't be with us today. So you learn, you learn quickly that you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fall because you're younger, you're smaller and you gotta 
get back up and keep going and keep going until you're you're in you accept it so for me that was just used in terms of mentally who, yeah. uh, who i became as an athlete no absolutely i mean it's one of those things especially with a bunch of prior guests and stuff that i've had on that i always find like so fascinating so i'm asked it's just the competitiveness and it i always feel like it's the little sibling syndrome the little sibling for the, you know, always has, you look at just like in, in freestyle, specifically in our sport, you look at, uh, you know, like Brad, Johnny Mosley, all these, yeah. they're all the young, you know, it's that younger sibling that always gets, you know, it's like chasing the, the older family members, chasing the older brother around and trying to get, you know, keep up with them. And, and so even though you guys had that five-year gap, were you guys still like pretty competitive or was it in your mind, like you're trying to be competitive with your brother and he's kind of just like, okay, yeah, you're keeping up with the group. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, no, we were competitive for sure. Um, I think probably him more than me because mm -hmm. he sees his, he see his little brother coming up uh, in all those sports and in freestyle and like, oh, getting pretty good. And then my brother was like, you know, he's never going to beat me and I'm never <laughs> going to let him win and let him. Yeah, he, he, he would definitely make it hard on me to beat him at everything, at everything. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in freestyle, uh, we, we overlap a couple years on the World Cup. Mm -hmm. So we did maybe, I want to say like a year, a full year that we overlap. And uh, and boy, you didn't want me to beat him. It was like, I'm, when you start beating me, I'm going to retire. <laughs> that's why that's between you and me you know but probably why he retired in 2000 after 2010 he was he went the game he did good and he's like he, he saw me he saw mix like oh those young boys like screw that i'm out of here <laughs> well, i think mick had an older brother he used to that he was competitive with yeah uh, as well from having on you know so it's really yeah. interesting uh to see now talking to you uh about that um with your brother obviously you had that great uh olympics in 2010 where he finished uh fourth and you got fourth, to four yeah. run mm -hmm. and so what was that kind of experience life i mean obviously opposite end of the of the of the spectrum right he's there competing you get to warm up the judges and kind of also there is that kind of excitement and everything else i mean getting getting in the gate of, of olympics you kind of get i guess early experience of of what that uh would be like in the future right you kind of get to be a little bit more footloose and fancy free obviously there's there's pressure that you kind of create on your own, uh, wanting to, to do your best, but also you get a little bit of insight of, of what could be coming down the pipeline and, and just kind of what, what was that experience like? Yeah, you touched on a, a lot of great points. Um, for me, it was, it was a huge one in my career. Um, the, the timing is probably one of the top three experiences in my career in terms of like how it modeled myself, how it helped me structure myself as an mm -hmm. athlete. Um, I was lucky to be part of that process for sure to, to understand a little bit like pre-Olympic all of the stress or the qualification criteria all, sure. how it kind of impacts mm -hmm. um, uh, performance leading into the Olympic and at the Olympics obviously having events but being there as a forerunner gives you that perspective without the stress you know <laughs> you, 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 you live a bit the same experience but you're not freaked out you know you're just kind of having, having a good time enjoying the ride type of thing but also really observing all all the other athletes whether it was the Kenyan team boys or whether it was international athletes just kind of mm -hmm. seeing how, how people behave um and with Vince you know it was it was just that that sibling lens you know I had mm -hmm. someone that obviously spent a lot of time highly respect and and I knew that Vince during those time because at that point we did have a year on the World Cup together so we were teammates and sure. obviously brothers but we were yeah. very close in terms of 
sharing tactics, sharing skills, and and sharing our opinion with our skiing both both of us. And I know Ben's had a pretty tough training at the game, so uh, you know you you're an athlete. You're at the Olympics. You have tough training. You you're frustrated. It's not something you want to let out. It's not mm -hmm. something you want people outside your room to 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 feel or sure. to to think. But he would come to me. And, and he would discuss about that, let the frustration out. So I think it was cool for him that I was there because he could do it. He could do that with me. He could be fully honest, fully himself. And that really helped him kind of shake the dust and then kind of pick himself back up. And uh, yeah, just let the frustration out, which was what was used. And, and, and for me, it was cool to see like, well, this is freaking challenging. Like, it's <laughs> not just a, a walk in the park. And it's, it is, it is like, we, we like to, I think it's a bit of a lie to say like, oh, it's just another event. Sure. And yeah, it's just another event. But we all know it's a big stage. You know, we all know that in terms of skiing, what you got to do, it's another event. But in terms of the distraction level, it is a bubble. It's just a bubble that's just waiting for for it to burst. You know, so mm -hmm. so that's what the Olympic heart, in my opinion. And 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 when it hits you, when it gets to you, then shit can hit the fan pretty quickly right um so so yeah having me and vince in 2010 that was that was cool for that that kind of interaction piece to prepare me after that for for my 2014 and 18 experiences and and i think why i think this was a very important event is watching it obviously as as a member of the team and i was really close to qualify i was the fifth best guy at that point in canada so close to qualify um and watching it it was just like a a recognition of like this is where i want to be you know this mm -hmm. is what i want to do and um i know i got the potential i know I, i will have the opportunity to 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 get there but it's my job to take that extra step now to get mm -hmm. there so it was a big one in terms of like i can't just rely on my talent i can't just rely on just being in cruising through that journey i gotta yeah. be a bit more proactive and really set the tone um so so for me it was just a, a bit of a mental kind of mm -hmm. add-on that i got from being there and living it through my brother the other the other uh, member of the canadian team being on home soil in vancouver so having the opportunity to be a forerunner so all those pieces kind of open up my eyes and and set the tone for for my future and how did it so you know how does it kind of reset because obviously you're talented you're on the team everything else and and then you're like okay it starts to crystallize a little bit like, okay, this is what I really want. And now I have to kind of change my mentality up where maybe it was fun and games before and I was enjoying my time. And now it's like, okay, the, the dedication or, or everything else needs to kind of reset and, and go to that kind of heightened level that you touched on. So, so what were some of those things that, that you kind of changed up? What kind of helped you stay focused or, or keep that, that drive going for you? Yeah, that's a good question, and I think uh, I think the most uh, accurate answer is just the attention to details. You know, like everyone is good, everyone is good. I see it now on the Canadian mm -hmm. team coaching. You know, we got fantastic athletes back then. We were all great athletes. We were uh, we we're all good, but the the difference was definitely who's willing to 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 make the some of the sacrifices and and who's going who's who's willing to make that extra set in the gym who's willing to stay that extra hour to analyze some, some, some technical pieces in, in their skiing, who's willing to, when something's not going, going right, when 
your your training one aspect that you hate you know we all have that one thing that we suck at or we hate in our skiing or in our training regiment and and a lot of time we like do it quickly so we can get back to what we enjoy doing right so who's actually willing to do the opposite spend 80 of the time on the weaknesses and i have sometimes i have that care that little positive candy at the end there where you have a good time um so i think that's kind of that's what separate i think i think just good athletes to 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 the best you know and 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 ben ben Keve is here in whistler and i was talking with him last night and obviously had tons of conversation with Meg. when we think about the the strongest athletes in our sport they're they're a little um, little almost psychopath like they really 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 focus on analyzing their run all the details and they're really curious about even how good they are they're still curious about how can i get better they're very meticulous with their mm -hmm. approach so for me that was yeah 2010 um after that i was like early 20s so so young but kind of to the point where you got just enough maturity and experience that all right it's time that i kind of just tweak a little bit more sure. my approach and and maybe be a bit more focused on the, the details and build this this uh, stamina this attitude where um I'm going to put yeah, the willingness to be open and, and the effort with, with my training regimen. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's great for uh, people out there listening in the fact that it's not like um, just innate, right. You, there is that ability to, to change and to grow and to, you know, have the talent first and then figure out because I feel like, you know, with so many things, it can be so cut and dry, right? Like you're either a hard worker or you're not a hard worker. You're either this or you're that mm -hmm. like, That, that you have that ability to be like, okay, no, I want to, I'm going to make the choice. I'm going to make the difference to uh, not that you weren't a hard worker before or anything, but just like, Hey, if this is really what I want to pursue, like those small little details are going to be the difference and the proofs in the pudding. I mean, two Olympics later and a fantastic career. I mean, obviously those, that decision and those decisions that you made clearly paid off in the end for you. And the fact that it's not something that that can be cut and dry, like, well, you know, I, I don't work that hard. So it's just, I'm, I'm not that hard of a worker and not many people want to admit that, but it always is the case. You know, it's, it's interesting to, is like when we, when I had uh, Mick and other people have come on, like there are those tools there. And the thing that always fascinates me is that people talk about what the tools are, but then they want to, won't want to put in that effort to do the tools. Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. I, I just always find that like it's crazy to me it's like okay like the, this is what you need to do people are giving you the steps and maybe your steps are a little bit different or you had you know take a little bit of this or a little bit of that and like, yeah yeah it's there i just don't want to implement yeah. the plan implement those kind of those things you know it's always like blows my mind <laughs> yeah no i know you're so right i mean there's part of it you can like there's a bit of laziness for sure in some in some ways And some, like some, most of it, I think is just, it's new. Like we don't like change, you know, as, as human being, we implementing changes and, and trying new things. It's always scary. It's like going into the unknown. It's uh, unless you got that, that very strong support team around you that was willing to really take your hand and bring you there when you get to do it by yourself, it is very intimidating. Um, so, so yeah, you got to be really open-minded and you got to be willing to like many things the way we start when we, were your kids you know with this very naive approach you got to be able to be like i'll give it a try and probably i probably won't really see any benefits right away but mm -hmm. I'm, i'm willing to still go ahead first and 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 take that path i think for me some of the things that i really 
I had a hard time to really buy in is stuff like meditation, visualization, um, you know, stretching, you know, all the stuff that I do it here and there, but it took me a, a long time to be, to become pretty consistent with, with some of those methods and some of them I hated. So I just disregarded and that's fine. Sure. They're not all for everyone, but there is definitely a bunch of little method tricks that you can, you can implement in your, in your routines that will make you that little, you know, 0.01% better. And, right. uh, and that's, that's the willingness that the, that's the attention uh, to the details that I think really will make a difference uh, into being extremely successful. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, talking to that, I mean, I know you touched on um, like uh, embracing and, and jumping into that unknown and the fear. I mean, you talk about the 35 hour drive of going into to Vail and absolutely the unknown there, you know, that's obviously a little bit after athletics, but the new journey that, that you were on then at that point in time. Now, have you always kind of been able to like, Hey, let's, let's see what happens here. And it might not work out. Like what, what am I doing? What is, you know, as you say, you got a lot of time to think about it. So have you always kind of had, has that been like a unique quality that you would say that, that you're like, hey, I'll, I'll embrace it. I'll give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, I'll be back to the drawing board. And I have that support system around me and it's not the end of the world. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I've always kind of done a bit naturally. I'm, I think at one of my, you know, biggest weapon is I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. <laughs> uh, I, I really try to always see the bright side, the joy in, in everything I do. And, and obviously we all have our failures and I have the step backs for sure. Uh, but in general, whether it's, yeah, whether it's, it's new, it's bad or it's ugly, whatever it is, I, I try to always be fairly optimist, uh, optimistic about, about the way I approach things. So, and I'm fairly calculated as well. So going into Vell, I, you know, I, I, I had thought about it, you know, I had done my, my pros and cons and like, what do I get going there? And if it's not perfect, then I, you know, I, I, I obviously I'd brainstorm a lot about, about this, this partic particular experience and same goes through some of the injuries. I, I had my ACL injuries and like I, I calculated, I analyzed a lot of, of that process. And I think, like you said, with the right support team around you and with just a bit of yeah, a bit of positiveness and try to see more of the positive, like the, obviously the, the, the glass half full. Sure. Yeah. Um, I pray, like I've, I've been very rarely unsatisfied, you know, there's always something that I've, that I've learned and take, take back from, from most of those experiences. So, so yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of bad, situation a lot of bad adventure or project i think there's just a lot of misperception and and bad attitude and bad mentality around those that will make the experience very poor and shitty sure. but in general people that goes into something with with an open mind and and some positivity and um really feel like they can they can learn something and take something away from that generally take uh get get on the other side with a smile on their face you know sure yeah no i mean it's one of those things i always say uh, attitude is everything you know yeah. it's one of those main things that that you can control you know you can't control the weather you can't control at least especially when it comes to skiing you know you can't control what the judges are going to do you can't i mean there's there's so many things that are outside of 
of your uh, control. I mean, the one thing you can is your attitude and, and the effort that you kind of put into it, right? Yeah, no, exactly. There's so many times where you hear things like, well, in, in our sport, like, well, the judges don't like my skiing. They don't like me. So, and we look, you look at those persons like, well, if that's how you're speaking, like, there's, yeah, there's a good chance they're not going to like your skiing. Like, <laughs> if you believe in your skiing a little more, then maybe like, sell it to them, like prove them wrong and show, show them where you're capable. You know, it, a lot of that, yeah, a lot of that is, it's just between the two years, right? Like, mm -hmm. A shitty day, it's raining, like, which we have a lot here in Whistler. If you start your day and you're always like, well, today is shit. We're not going to accomplish anything. Like, yeah, with an attitude like that, yeah, it's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough. So, so I've always been on, yeah, try to be on, on the other side and bring some light and sure. bring some kind of no. lead positive leadership around, around me as much as possible. And like I said, most time I've kind of, I've, I've, I, yeah, I've came on the other side as a winner, more mm -hmm. or more or less. And by winning, I'm not obviously referring to, to winning as as a podium but i'm just referring as like hey you got you got plenty of those and you got wins in there too you got plenty <laughs> plenty in there a couple a couple of them <laughs> not the goat not compared to the goat no. but, uh, <laughs> something to be so proud of oh no absolutely and uh you know one of those things you, you touched on a little bit earlier that i definitely want to get into and um you know everybody that i've had on the show it's one of those things that you always have to deal with is perseverance and mm -hmm. I know just through a career of mogul skiing, you plenty, you had certainly enough perseverance for one lifetime. But uh, one of the things, you know, uh, dealing with an ACL injury uh, at any point in time is always, you know, uh, super, super devastating. I mean, it had it happened to me and every, most people in this sport don't get out uh, alive. Uh, they usually have, you know, uh, some sort of injuries and, and, you had yours just uh, a few months before the, the 2018 uh, Olympics and decided to, um, you know, with your positivity and outlook and, and give it the go. And I mean, it's unbelievable able to go out and compete and finish 20th place uh, essentially, you know, with torn ACL and just kind of talk me um, through that, that few month period there, because I mean, obviously you have that devastation of like, fuck, God, you know, what's going to happen with my, you know, is this, this, the season, you know, obviously it's once every four years. So you have that big buildup and you have your eyes set and the goal and you've been through, you had, you know, you had the ninth in, in 2014 and you had that Olympic experience. Like, okay, now I, you get that opportunity to kind of build on that. And obviously each Olympics is different, but you know, you, you have those prior experiences to help you build towards that next one. And just curious, you know, the, the floor is yours on, on dealing with that, that perseverance and that difficult time period and, and going out and still kicking ass. Yeah, that was, um, that was a wild journey. That was a, that was, that was one of those craziest roller coaster of my life for sure. And, you know, just to kind of bring it maybe a, a little bit earlier in time, uh, after Sochi in 2014, I got nine, but I was second after, after the first final. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and for me, nine was a bit disappointing. Uh, it was a great first experience at the games, but I definitely felt like I left some on, on, on the table there and I mm -hmm. could have done better. So my whole mindset was like, let's, let's, use, use, uh, let's use this experience and build, uh, build on that and see where I can be in 2018. So my goal was to, yeah, to, to kind of close that gap and be more competitive than ever, which I think I did. You know, I was like top five in the world every single year leading up to Pyeongchang. 
and a podium at the test event in, in, in Pyeongchang as well the year prior to the games. And then at that point, I was just kind of trying, looking good, like almost pre-qualify. It was qualifying was not a, a stress at that point, but I was trying to close the gap with 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 Mick uh, Kingsbury, mm-hmm. who was my teammate, so I could see on a daily basis, but also the best in the world, right? So, so how can I be competitive and, and, and try to be at his level by the, the Olympic? And uh, yeah, it's in Deer Valley the, the month before. Uh, so exactly 30 days before the opening ceremony that I tore my ACL. And uh, I, I felt like I had done everything as, as I planned it, as I wanted putting like devotion and, and everything I had, you know, into that, that build up. So when that happened, obviously freaking devastated. Um, but then going home, I was like, well, okay, it, maybe it's not the end. You know, I, you kind of start brainstorming about who's done it in the past and, and not many people, obviously, but <laughs> who's compete with a torn ACL at the Olympics in one of the hardest sport for, for the knees, you know, mm-hmm. bum skiing. Um, and, and yeah, it was one of those things that first of all, I wanted to be, I wanted to make sure that I really weighted how I felt about that. And, uh, and once I kind of like, I think I can do it and I really committed to the process, I was like, okay, I'm going to try it and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to obviously realign a little bit what I believe is, is a, perf- like is, is a good performance. Cause obviously at that point I had to accept the fact that I would, I was preparing to try to get on the podium. That was my goal. And obviously there was, it was out of the question at that point, mm-hmm. I just couldn't compete at the highest level so so for me it was it was a bit of a switch i needed to what i I had always seen as success or performance had to be rebranded a little bit in my head yeah um so once i kind of accepted that i kind of redesigned the definition of of what i saw as a successful performance and for me that was just to be there and to behave like a champion and uh, to support my teammates, but also to try to compete at the best ability, whether it's it's I make it down or I don't. Like it was just it doesn't matter what the outcome is. Is how I'm gonna how, the, the way I'm gonna behave through the process is what I'm gonna take away from this experience. So one that's that's out, that's done, that that's <laughs> where I was set. Mm-hmm. So then it was like, okay, who's coming with me? <laughs> so uh, so from the from like I'd say I'd say probably forty eight. To 72 hours after I tore my ACL in the valley, I was back uh, in the PT uh, with the physio, with the med team. I was back in the gym, and we kind of just built one of those crazy plans. And uh, and everyone on board, man, were so supportive, and everyone made me feel like I was not crazy by trying that, which was very important because a lot of people would think like, well, a lot of journalists, a lot of media asked me, well, you're putting your health at risk why are you doing that why it's not someone else younger that's healthy that's going so there's all this kind of pressure coming sure. from the sideline yeah and i was like you know this is my my spot i work really hard and i think i can do it and i think this story can be impactful in so many ways it can be inspiring can be impactful and 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 that's just what i'm going to pursue and everyone jumped on board with me around the team from coaches to staff to teammates um so that was that was awesome it it's it it kind of became more than phil's project uh mm-hmm. that i had to do that within th- in 30 days it was a bit of a race against the clock for sure it felt like that <laughs> uh but on this on the other end it felt like it was a team effort um and and me competing and me 
qualifying straight for final. Um, all of those was it was a victory for for our, our team. You know, PT, uh, our, our team doctor, everyone freaking crying. You know, like <laughs> it was just such an effort to get there. Um, and and the way we plan everything, it was basically on a daily basis. It was like, all right, we got to check your knee and that those angle and that strength and blah blah blah. So we would do some tests with the taping, with the movement. And everything like okay, we're checking some bugs. We're kind of, okay, okay, we did that. That's good. That's good. Tomorrow, let's test you in a different way. And then sure. like, okay, okay, we, we do it again. So every day was actually pretty exciting. Very yeah. scary. Don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> right. Every day I woke up and I like, man, something goes wrong today, and I feel my knee is is loose or it's not strong enough or something happened. This could be it. This could be the time that I say like, we try, I pull the plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every night you go to bed and you're like, whoo. We did, we did it. That was pretty dope, dope day. Like, all right, let's keep going. And, you know, you, you feel this kind of adrenaline kind of going and, and obviously momentum builds too. So yeah, after, absolutely. after your, after three days, when I got home and I'm icing and I'm taking anti-inflammatories, you know, you feel like, you know, there's a pretty big climb I got to do here in the next month. <laughs> but then you start chipping away and, and, and every, every day you kind of cross that, that calendar date and you just keep on, yeah, keep going. And, and yeah, we did that the whole way. And we just, you know, here and there, a couple of little setbacks, but overall we kept kind of going upward. So, uh, so when I got to the game, there was definitely a wave of excitement. Again, we didn't know what the outcome would be, mm-hmm. um, but we certainly were very encouraged and, and we really enjoyed the process. Even, even me, you know, who, who was <laughs> devastated that mm-hmm. I couldn't really show the world my best self, but uh personally like selfishly it was quite the experience and it's probably one of the most valuable month of my entire career and 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 it didn't come yeah it wasn't easy I, it, it came right. with freaking tears and sweat and yeah. frustration and i probably was a pain in the ass to a lot of people when things were not going right and <laughs> it'd be very frustrating but like i said it was a team effort and everyone learned learned so much like it's funny. I, I talk about that month and I, I saw it really with my athlete high. So, so, you know, very selfishly and focus mm-hmm. on just me, 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 me. But a lot of the, the people, the doctor, the PT, the, the trainers that work with me on a daily basis during that month, put their freaking life, you know, and stand by their family, all that. And I never thought about it like that, but some of them tell me there's what, what the whole, month process, was for yeah, them yeah. the process was for them i was like wow you did all that for me because you wanted to be part of that and you wanted to give it a go the same way i wanted to give it a go and like freaking props and respect that 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 sort of commitment was 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 huge and i'm speaking about it and i i, I got goosebumps on my skin I got some like, two over here you're not the only one <laughs> yeah so so that was that was wild man and uh obviously I, i'm always like the one little regret or question i'm gonna have will always be like obviously what if i would have been lt would have been able to to have a performance to 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 be on that podium and and maybe at the end of the day my the way i process this now is maybe i'll never know that but the one thing i'll know is my mindset and the way i i picture success now is definitely not aligned with the medal anymore Mm-hmm. it's not a line and it's not it's not a one two three position place finish 
it's more like what what it is what someone's giving to is willing to give and how it how we like the, the behaviors to lead to the performance so so for me that that's probably one of the biggest learning lesson i i got from from those games uh so obviously maybe i'd speak differently if i had a gold medal around my neck but certainly <laughs> certainly the the that that has helped me a lot in in in, in transitioning to coaching and the way i i coach and the way i address athletes need and and i'm i'm trying to be to have a more of a holistic approach uh which incorporate athlete as human first and how they can become good people and 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 that will help them with their performance but not just thinking about how can can we finish one two three because sometimes you've got athlete that can do it and sometimes you get athlete that will never do it but it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they won't both they, they 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 won't have a successful journey and career uh, so it's just de- building different skills and attitude and leveraging and, and helping everyone succeed to their full potential so that was a bit kind of like what i took away from from that journey in, in pyeongchang in 2018 uh, but yeah wild yeah <laughs> at the end of the day no, no, it's freaking wild and uh yeah very blessed and lucky that i was able to do it and and put one great run down and uh, share that moment with everyone that that were part of team phil at that at that uh, at that time and and hopefully uh hopefully yeah bring some kind of inspiration as well to a lot yeah, of people yeah i mean i think around, you definitely definitely did you know i think uh, you saying you didn't show your best i mean i think you showed uh your best in in all other aspects and uh the fight and everything that you showed in literally 30 days out to be able to do that and and put on that performance i think you definitely showed your best in uh in a ton of different ways so um tip of the cap to you sir for sure because that's a you know uh an unbelievable experience and roller coaster to go through and you know um the tough thing is when you go in and you deal with those injuries and, and for you you know you had that nice support staff and everybody jumped on board with that goal but that i mean that's one of those things like and i, I know <clears throat> prior to that like when you injured your shoulder you had to miss a season and everything else like you do have those those times where it's like they're off training, you know, your buddies, everything else. And you're like in that PT room, like, fuck, all right, got to get oh, yeah. mobility back. Okay. got to get, got to get my knee bent all the way again. And, and, you know, um, you, you get, you, you feel like you're, you're definitely missing out and you're, you're oh, hell yeah. out on those times. And, and the, those are the, those are the dark places that only a few certain people know, uh, in the PT room there. And it's kind of where you find out who you're, who your real friends are, who's really checking in on you, who's really, uh, you, you, you figure out that support staff and, and everything else. And I mean, it sounds like you just had an amazing support staff that, that was same mentality as you all in, this is the plan going forward. And, and, uh, it seems like it, it really worked out to the, to the best that it could with the, with what the situation was for sure. And it sounds yeah. like you have so many, uh, great takeaways that, not only for the rest of you know for for coaching and and for life and and really it seems like it's it's given you some changes in perspective which i'm sure has done nothing but just just add to and, and help your coaching and in life in general yeah 100 and uh yeah as an athlete there's no worse feeling than, than feeling you're missing out <laughs> that just freaking gets you to your guts i guess it's so painful and uh but i think yeah i think i, I think in Pyeongchang, 
you know, I think I was able to pull it off because I had some experience. I was more mature as an athlete. And if that would have happened in 2010, 2014, I don't think I would have been able to pull it off. I was just not quite there. Um, but I was able definitely to use other skills and then mm -hmm. be able to, to watch everyone train hard and push, knowing that I was on the sideline. And I was a little, yeah, I, I yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was more of a, on, on the, the water boy cheerleading fan squad <laughs> uh, for a bit there. But yeah, no, it was, it was very interesting. It was very interesting situation. Uh, but yeah, I think physically, mentally, I was in a place where I was able to handle, handle that situation. And, uh, and that worked, that worked. That's lucky nope. in a sense. But. Absolutely. Now for some of those, uh, you know, what, what are some uh, words of wisdom or pieces of, of advice, just not only when it, when it pertains to injury, but just uh, for, for yourself and, and what keeps you on track. I mean, obviously you got a lot going on, a new role, trying to learn as much as you can and, and soak up as much information, but, but what are some of the, um, things that that you would say have, have kind of helped you uh stay successful and and kind of some of those daily habits to keep everything uh on, on track and where you want it to be growing <laughs> yeah that's a, it's a good question it's i'm still figuring that out for sure i like you know things that i've used or done as an athlete how can that transfer to coaching but but mm -hmm. one thing for sure that i'd say is is at the core of the things i do is my communication and proximity with the athletes mm -hmm. especially in this new ages i it's in, in this new age in the way the world is as evolved as in our society i think we uh people are people want to be involved it's it's not more it's it's not no it's not organizations that are run vertical uh, but it's like how can everyone chip in it's more of a circle where everyone has a, a, a a place to play and a, a, a say in, in how we do things so um i'd say for me this is one thing that i've always put um at the forefront just how, how getting to know my athlete not just just king wise but who they are as person and that it really helps me um be a better mentor and a guy with and a support for them um yeah, I'd say after that, it's just kind of like the, the basics, you know, like I, I, I try to lead by example and by, by saying that is like, if you are going to, if you're going to drill and, 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 and just reinforce all the time, like you got to have a good work ethic to be a good athlete and you got to be on time and you have to, yeah, be meticulous about the details and you, you know, all of that. And I think you got to, if you're going to preach all that, you got to lead by example. So, sure, yeah. so for me, it's always been like, whatever I, I share and I, I teach, I try to, uh, to also be able to, to lead in, in the same path in the same way. So I'd say those couple of things still are, are very helping me to be successful. And I think I'll pay anyone in any field mm -hmm. to be, uh, to be successful. And, um, and, and the other thing is always question your, your, uh, methods. I think that's probably another, the third biggest point, like, don't believe you got all the knowledge. Don't believe you know how it's done. Don't believe you're the shit. <laughs> you know, right. make sure you uh, make sure you do your homework. Question people around you and uh, read and and think outside the box. And yeah, it's not because um, one thing is going well, or one thing is going bad that it's the end of the the world or it's it's unbelievable. It, it, you got to kind of always constantly be uh, be moving, be mm -hmm. uh, be trying to figure out. Um, and and I think I think we've learned a lot. 
um, <laughs> not just me, but like everyone learned a lot through the COVID years mm -hmm. um, that sometimes you're patching holes and you're just like, all right, we got to get things done a certain way. And, you know, we adjust on the fly, we go and we go, but uh, those build your reflexes for sure, your intuition and your instinct. So you can, when you have a little more free time, when, when you have time to sit down, you can start thinking, brainstorming about, uh, we had to patch hole because of that, that, that. And now we want to move forward with new, new methods, new, new thought process. Um, so yeah, challenging yourself and, and always questioning your methods. I think it's super important in the coaching, coaching world. Awesome. Now, one thing you touched on, I'm just curious, any, uh, any books that you would recommend to oh, that, God. That have helped um, along the way? Just, you know, just, just a few in there. I already have, I got a stack of like, 15 and so so far behind the thing is people listen in and then i'll you know my mom will be like oh i heard the podcast so you know i got I got this book for you i'm like yeah. 20 books deep i got a stack I, of books, uh, you know it's like the audio books are making a little more sense now i can't can't read fast enough dude <laughs> right well yeah you gotta mix it like one you read one you listen to one um <laughs> that's a good question i i vary so much i'll read one in french one in english one on sports psychology one on now you're just bragging this crazy sporting story <laughs> but uh I'll bring I'll bring one that that I really appreciate and I, I it's one that I listened to audiobook uh, on on one of my last drive back mm -hmm. from Colorado to Quebec and a very old book and we had to read that in school in Quebec so I don't know in the U.S. but The Alchemist okay and um, The Alchemist is is uh, is a fantastic novel and reading it when I was like in high school when I was like. 13 14 versus reading or listening to it mm -hmm. in my 30s two very very different perspectives <laughs> um so yeah so I, i'd say that's that's a good one uh other than that i'm not yeah i'm not really good at remembering what i read <laughs> but so i think yeah whatever whatever it's blog audiobook podcast there's okay. so many there's, there's so many, there's tools so many there. There, yeah there's crazy there's a ton of ton of different tools out yeah. there and uh, so the alchemist i got i got that written down any podcasts you're listening to these days that i should give a give a listen to um no not really not really honestly i kind of sorry i'm kind of blowing uh -huh. it up here <laughs> no, you're good i, I you know but, uh, I, I figured i'd at least uh at least ask you know get get a couple uh podcast audiobook you know the the umbrella of uh yeah there, there's a bunch I, out there so i always try to um, i'd say yeah i'm not very it's not very cool but i do try to uh listen to the ted daily that talk daily. Did, oh yeah, yeah. no because it's, it's that's, yeah it's great it's like 10 yeah, minutes 15 minutes yep. yeah so and 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 i try to to not scan what the topics are i try okay. to just listen just listen to it one, give it a go if, Sometimes I'll listen like three or four days in a row. And sometimes I'll skip two, three days and I'll, you know, I'll kind of bounce like that. But whatever it's, whatever is the TED talk on that day, I'll listen to it, you know? So sometimes yeah. it's some subject I have no interest in, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's great to have a, a critical, critical mindset and listen to something you, you have no idea, no concept around, around the subject. I think it's good just for curiosity and think outside the box and learn something new and always stay on the edge. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's, that's great. And I think it's even better that you don't, you just, you just give it the go. You give it the listen, give it the college try because there's definitely yeah. times where I skim to. Yeah. 
you squeeze it. I guess it's a good one to squeeze in like a little (laughs) chairlift ride type of thing uh, for us skiers. And uh, yeah, I just have a tough time with like the, you know, like the Joe Rogan style of podcast because they are interesting. They are a little biased in some ways, but, but they're like three hour long. So they, they are. Yeah. Those, those can be a little bit, uh, a little bit tough. You know, I think, I think the nice part and, hopefully at some point this podcast will get to that point where it's like in studio and I have Mm. like a good setup. And then I think it's a little bit different, you know, I mean, I think it's, you know, over zoom while it's great, obviously, you know, COVID we adjust and a lot of different things happen. Um, you know, I was originally planning on doing this like as an in-studio thing. I was like, all right, we'll figure out how zoom works. I mean, one of the difficult things about, you know, doing it through zoom though, is you do kind of lose some of the, the personal, uh, aspect to it where you're right across from someone having that conversation and you know one of the tougher things too especially is like i don't want to cut you off if you're you know while you're in the middle of making a point where sometimes when you're you're in you know studio or you're right across from somebody and you're talking you're like hey you know what you just said like let's go down that rabbit hole or or something else and then it it can be hard to to keep track of you know yeah things for sure in person you've got that little you can bounce off each other and you can back bounce off a little bit yeah no for sure but uh well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you got a lot on your plate, um, but I really do appreciate it. And uh, I will definitely see you uh, around this fall. Uh, good luck up there in, in Whistler with a new job. To everybody up there, uh, I say hello and look forward to uh, to seeing you again soon, dude. Will do. Thanks so much, Bobby. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Larry. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And if you're watching or listening on YouTube, please make sure you hit that bell button so you get notified every time a new episode drops. Thanks.